Women, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week, we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week, we'll be discussing Zorba. Zorba! Zorba! There's a house at the top of the The door to the room in a house at the top of the hill Where someone's waiting for you Waiting for you There's a woman at the door The roof is red. And the woman is French. And the walls are white. And the woman is French. And the steps run down. And the woman is French. And the well is cool. And the woman is French at the house at the top of the hill. Zorba! And the is sweet. And the veal is tough. And the bed is hot. And the sheet is rough. And the bread is old. And the wine is hot. And the night is cold. But the woman is not at the house at the top of the hill. But first, how are we doing? As always, I hope this, the latest episode of The Musical Man, finds you well. I have a bit of advice here at the top of this episode. I would like to say that if you take notes on any topic, if you are doing research, if you are writing a paper of some sort, let's say you're still in school, let's say you're in school now, you gotta write a paper, you gotta take notes. I would advise you to reread those notes. Reread that paper one more time before you turn it in because I cannot stress enough the importance of reviewing your notes. Here's a great example that is related to the podcast. When I was prepping for our episode, our episode on Sweet Smell of Success, I thought I had everything in ship shape. I thought I had all of my duckies in a row but all of my duckies were decidedly not in a row, and I'm glad that I gave those notes a final Passover because, oh my God, I wanted to talk about Brian Darcy James and how much I enjoyed his performance in Sweet Smell of Success, and that those compliments would have been severely undermined by the fact that in my original notes, I referred to Brian Darcy James as Brian Stokes... Mitchell. Many, many times I kept saying, oh, Brian Stokes Mitchell is so wonderful. The power notes that he delivers. Oh, it's so inspiring. Brian Stokes Mitchell, you are an inspiration to me. And I, I gotta tell you, my blood ran cold when I realized the mistake I nearly made on the air in front of the mic. So that's why I say to you, look at those notes one more time. Even if you're sick of looking at them, you never know what your eyes are going to pick up on during that last pass, okay? So, I recently received an email from our lovely listener, Mark. Mark was interested in, uh, he wanted to know if I had seen the film 
theater camp. And strangely enough, my husband, Chris, and I, we went to go see theater camp maybe a day after Mark sent me that email. I'd like to think that the email was part of the inspiration. It, it got us going in that direction. Although, now that I think about it, I left it up to Chris. Chris had the choice, I believe, between Bottoms and Theater Camp, and he chose Theater Camp. Ah, what a, what a splendiferous, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it was a nice, it was a nice coincidence. So, I am going to share, Mark wanted to know, you know, if I had seen the film, and if I had what my thoughts were on it. So, I'm going to share with you, the audience, my four-star letterboxed review of Theater Camp. You can find me on Letterboxd. My username is J-O-N-P-E-R-N-I-S-E-K. If you want to read my reviews, here's this one for free. The whole thing is free, but I'm giving you this one right now. Quote, Theater Camp makes camp look like Meatballs 4. I say this as someone who rewatched camp within the last few years and could barely sit through it. A truly bad movie. Stephen Sondheim makes a cameo and his khakis are a fucking wreck. Pick up an iron, Stevie! Oh, but we're supposed to be talking about Theater Camp, a movie that is not bad. It's very good, in fact. There's a joke within the audition montage about a girl who skipped her cousin's shiva so she could go to camp, and baby, that's my kind of joke. Glenn's arc genuinely moved me, and I shed a few tears during the finale of Joan Still. Theater is so dumb, and we have to protect it at all costs. P.S. We like to think of Ben Platt as a nepo-narcissist, but he did allow the world to see those hairy-ass shoulders, and is that not a form of humility? Quote, so there you go, Mark. Ah, ah, that's my review. Those are my thoughts on the film Theater Camp. It is now time to relay the show facts regarding our, our latest subject, Zorba. Are you ready for the show facts? Show me the show facts. Are you really ready? I am. Okay, let's do it. Sorbo was a 1969 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on November 16th, 1968 at the Imperial Theater and ran for 305 performances. The book was written by Joseph Stein, who wrote the book for former podcast subjects Take Me Along and Fiddler on the Roof. The music was written by John Kander, and the lyrics were written by Fred Ebb. Kander and Ebb in this economy? The basis for this week's subject is Zorba the Greek, a 1947 novel written by Nico Kazantzakis. The novel was adapted into an Academy Award-winning film in 1964, a ballet in 1987, and a radio play in 1933. The director of this original Broadway production of Zorba the Musical, Harold Hal Prince. The musical director, Harold Hastings. Orchestrations, Don Walker. Choreographer, Ronald Field. Scenic design, Boris Aronson. Lighting design, Richard Pilbrow. Sound design, no sound design. It's too early in the timeline for that. No. Costume design, Patricia Zibrat. Hello again, Patricia. Patty. And the original Broadway cast was as follows. We begin with Herschel Bernardi. Bernardi served as a replacement for Tevya during the original run of Fiddler on the Roof and starred in that show's 1981 Broadway revival. Allow me to continue with this Broadway cast of Zorba. We have Maria Kamalova, Carmen Alvarez, John Cunningham, Lorraine Serbian, Joseph Alfasa, Rob 
Robert Bernard, Wayne Boyd, Connie Burnett, Peggy Cooper, Garrett DeBeer, Al DeCio, Richard Dimitri, Nina Dova, Juliet Durand, Louis Garcia, Louis Gundunas, Ali Hafid, Lee Hooper, Nat Horn, Charles Kalan, Johnny Lamotta, James Luisi, Anthony Marciona, Susan Marciona, Alicia Helen Marcarian, Martin Myers, Paul Michael, Richard Neves, Edward Nolfi, Jamila Omar, Alex Padrides, Gerard Rusak, Jerry Sapir, Angelo Sardis, Lucas Skip. Tatis, Marsha Tamarov, Miriam Welch, and David Wilder. And as always, I do I do apologize if I have mispronounced any of these first or last names. I do try my best. Tony Nods! All right! The production won Best Scenic Design, which went to Boris Aronson, but the production was nominated for other awards. Best Musical, of course, but also Best Actor in a Musical, Herschel Bernardi. Best Actress in a Musical, Maria Kamalova. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Lorraine Sarabian. Best Best Costume Design, Patricia Zabrat. Best Choreography, Ronald Field. And Best Direction of a Musical, Harold Hal Prince. So, eight nominations in total, one award when all was said and done. Let's talk about the plot. This plot summary is based on a reading of the original book by Joseph Stein, the book of the musical. The Wikipedia summary is bad. B-A-D. So, oh, I'm so grateful that I was able to find a copy of Joseph Stein's book through the Hennepin County Public Library. I love the library. Act 1, Scene 1. Well, I suppose I should say uh, first and foremost that the place is Piraeus, Greece and the island of Crete. Those are our two main locations. The time, 1924. All right, now, act one, scene one. The members of the company, each bearing their own instrument, sit in a semicircle on a bare stage. They argue over how the evening will be spent. So, what do we do now? One man suggests the Zorba story. The company groans. Oh, everyone already knows the Zorba story. Well, not everyone. A second man asks, what's it about? What's it about? What's any story about? It's about life. Ah, but what is life? The company cannot agree on a decent metaphor. Is life like an hourglass? An olive tree? The leader of the company sets them straight. Quote, Life is what you do while you're waiting to die. Life is how the time goes by. Life is where you wait while you're waiting to leave. Life is when you grin and grieve. Quote, The company launches into an elaborate song and dance number. Fun fact, Cheetah Rivera played the leader in 1970 as part of a revised touring production of Zorba. According to Wikipedia, the tour had hopes of moving to Broadway, but those plans were effectively scuttled once the reviews rolled in. I don't understand why anyone thought a Broadway revival of Zorba was necessary in 1970. The original production opened in 1968 and closed after eight months. Let the dead stay dead. Act 1, Scene 2. As the opening number draws to a close, the company swiftly assembles a waterfront cafe in Piraeus. Nico, an intellectual in his 30s, is approached by Zorba, a rugged, lusty man in his mid-60s. Zorba peppers Nico with a number of questions. We learn that Nico, having recently left his position as a teacher in Athens, is now traveling to Crete. There, he will inherit an old mine that once belonged to a relative. We also learn about Zorba, his wife, and their three grown children, as well as a fourth child who died when they were young. 
But Zorba does not wish to talk about his family. He abandoned them long ago. Besides, Zorba believes in the here and now. And right now, he wishes to join Nico on the journey to Crete. Take me with you, my friend. Nico is baffled by the request, which reads more like a demand, but he eventually agrees to the partnership. Act 1, Scene 3. The exterior of a village cafe in Crete. We're in Crete now. Though Nico has yet to arrive, the locals cannot stop talking about the new owner of the mine. Times have been tough as of late, and the men are eager for work. A prominent figure in the village is the widow, a woman in her late 20s who, quote, has an air of tragedy about her, quote. The men of the village lust after and despise the widow in equal measure. Sure, she's hot AF, but there's something evil about her, you know? Zorba and Nico introduce themselves to the villagers, who waste no time in asking about the mine. Will there be work? Zorba assures them that anyone who wants to work will work. Zorba also makes it clear that he will be the one in charge of the mine, not Nico. Nico can hardly argue this point, as he doesn't know a thing about running a mine. After surveying their options, Zorba and Nico choose to stay at the home of Madame Hortense, a French woman who lives at the top of a hill. Zorba's mind begins to race with thoughts of Hortense. <laughs> a French woman, ooh la la, think of the possibilities. Zorba is, he's a very horny man, okay? Act 1, Scene 4. Enter Hortense, a faded croquette in her fifties, quote, who still clings to the flirtatious ways of her youth, quote. Zorba is attracted to Hortense and invites her to have a drink. She reflects on her past as a cabaret star and how, during the revolution, she prevented the annihilation of Crete by seducing admirals from England, Russia, Italy, and France. Zorba scoops Hortense into his arms and declares that he is her admiral now, and they race inside to presumably make love. A bemused Nico is left to his own devices. Act 1, Scene 5. Hortense is more reluctant to make love than Zorba first assumed. She is quite insecure about her age and appearance. Zorba vows to obtain a youth elixir from a Russian doctor. Soon, Hortense will be as virginal as a blushing bride. Hortense swoons, quote, it has always been my wish, my fondest wish, someday to have a husband, a real husband. Do you think it's possible, Zorba? Quote, Zorba is perturbed by all of this husband talk. Nonetheless, he assures Hortense that, yes, it, it could happen, maybe, but not right now. Le for now, let us fuck. Act 1, Scene 6. Zorba assesses the state of the derelict mine. He informs Nico that a great deal of equipment will need to be purchased if the mine is to be whipped into shape. During this assessment, the men of Crete wait nearby impatient for work to begin. They mock Mamiko, a 19-year-old fool who serves as Nico's assistant. When the widow arrives with Mamiko's lunch, she too becomes an object of scorn. Nico intervenes and, in doing so, shares a tender moment with the widow. Zorba encourages Nico to chase after the widow, but he refuses. Unlike Zorba, Nico cannot grab onto every woman who gives him a second glance. Nico values patience, sensitivity, tenderness. Zorba cannot relate. Act 1, Scene 7. Mamiko delivers a bag of fruit to Nico, a present from the widow. A lot of, a lot of O sounds in that sentence. Zorba tells Nico that eating the fruit without repaying the widow in kind would be nothing short of cruel. Having made his feelings known, Zorba leaves to buy equipment in nearby Chanya. 
Well, he begins to leave, at least. Hortense appears with her own bag of fruit and begs Zorba not to forget her. Zorba insists he could never forget her and that he will return in a mere three days. Hortense is not comforted. In her experience, to be forgotten is inevitable. Oh, she also asked Zorba to buy her a ring. Put a pin in the ring, okay? Act 1, Scene 8. Nico receives a letter from Zorba, who confesses to having spent most of Nico's money on belly dancers while staying in Chanya. Hortense asks Nico if the letter makes any mention of her. Nico lies so as to put her at ease. Uh, yes, Z Zorba, of course, talks about you so much. Hortense inquires about the ring. Nico is like, well, he, he did mention a surprise. <laughs> Hortense goes bananas. A surprise? Why, this must mean Zorba is ready to propose. Surely there can be no doubt. Nico looks into the camera as if to say, sock it to me. Act 1, Scene 9. Nico goes to the widow's house. She allows him to enter, and they embrace. Pavli, this is a new character I'm introducing to you, so uh, catch up. Pavli, a pathetic incel who is obsessed with the widow, witnesses this display of affection from afar. He runs away in despair. Ah, I always knew she'd go for a chad. End of Act 1. Act 2, Scene 1. The villagers transport Pavli's corpse from the church to the cemetery. Newsflash, Pavli drowned himself during the intermission, and everyone blames the widow. A curse on the widow! She drove him to it! These people need hobbies. Act 2, Scene 2. Zorba returns from Chanya, bearing gifts and good tidings. Nico is understandably pissed, having lost most of his money to the whims of his partner, but... Zorba swears all will be put to rights. I bought enough equipment for us to make a decent start, boss. Relax. The only topic Zorba wants to discuss is Nico's affair with the widow. Zorba knows the affair is real because he can smell a woman all over Nico. Weird. Enter Hortense. Long story short, she falls apart when Zorba appears unwilling to propose, and so our shiftless protagonist agrees to become engaged. Marriage can come later, much later for now, an engagement will have to do. Act 2, Scene 3. While taking a walk together, Nico implores the widow to speak freely and express her feelings. The widow attempts to muster up some courage. She does love Nico, after all, but her words never rise to the surface. Act 2, Scene 4. Zorba and Nico have a drink at the cafe while the villagers make their way to church. When the widow attempts to enter the church, she is suddenly blocked by Mavrodani, Pavli's vengeful father. Yes, I'm introducing another new character. The women of the village begin to shriek, Slut! Murderess! Kill her! Kill her! That's a direct quote from the book. The men descend upon the widow. Nico tries to save her, but is tossed aside like a rag doll. He calls for Zorba, Zorba, who separates the widow from her attackers, but Mavrodani manages to stab her. The widow shudders, falls to the ground, and dies. Act 2, Scene 5. The villagers gather to celebrate the opening of the mine. Nico is disgusted by the sight of Zorba dancing and making amends with those who killed the widow. Zorba clarifies that while he does not forgive what has been done, he does understand how it came to pass. Mavradani simply wanted revenge. It's no mystery. Please pay attention to the following dialogue, as it will come up again. 
Quote, this is a line from Zorba, quote, I have done bad things, boss, many bad things. I have pillaged, I have raped, I have wiped out whole families, whole villages. Why? For my country. Because they were Bulgars, because they were Turks. Is that a better cause than his? Quote, Zorba explains that when his son died, he chose to dance while others cried. He was labeled a madman for this decision, but it was the only way he could work through his grief. Mine is a bust, by the way. It implodes the moment Zorba uses dynamite to loosen the earth. Mamiko enters with more bad news. Hortense is gravely ill. Act 2, Scene 6. Zorba and Nico race to be with Hortense in her final moments. She remembers her youth and dies with a smile on her face. The women of the village proceed to steal Hortense's belongings because this is a bad place filled with bad people. Nico takes a cue from Zorba by honoring Hortense with a dance. Zorba joins him. Do I believe Zorba poisoned Hortense as a way of avoiding marriage? Well, I don't not believe it. Zorba could be capable of anything. I don't know. Act 2, Scene 7. Our heroes say goodbye to the village. Nico is heading back to Athens. Zorba, well, yeah, he'll go wherever the wind takes him. They vow to stay in touch and part the best of friends. I'm not sure why. Zorba is obviously an asshole, but... Hey, whatever! Act 2, Scene 8. Having completed the story of Zorba, the company performs a reprise of the opening number. The curtain falls the end. For the purposes of this week's episode, I did not watch the 1964 motion picture Zorba the Greek, starring Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn will come up again very, very soon. I did read the 1968 book by Joseph Stein. That's what our plot summary is based on. I already told ya. I told ya. And I also listened to the 1968 original Broadway cast album and the 1983 Broadway revival cast album. The 1983 Broadway revival, which stars Anthony Quinn. That's right. They got him back. You were the movie man. You were the movie Zorba man. And now you shall be the Broadway Zorba man. I gotta say, Herschel Bernardi's Zorba is greater than Anthony Quinn's Zorba. I wrote this out in my notes with a little mathematical symbol. The greater than mathematical symbol. Anthony Quinn, oh my god, you do not compare to Herschel Bernardi. You kinda stink. You kinda stink on the 83 recording. I gotta say, I know I'm making shocking statements here. I apologize to all of the Quinn heads out there. The Cannon Group, who produced such cinematic classics as The Apple, Superman for The Quest for Peace, Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo, and Aladdin, starring Bud Spencer. Oh my gosh. They sought to adapt the 1983 revival of Zorba into a film. Sadly, this dream never became a reality. Shocking! Wait! Listen to me. I will tell you. Life is what you do while you're waiting to die. Life is how the time goes by. Life is where you wait while you're waiting to leave. 
Life is where you grin. Only that, Mr. Life is simply that, Mr. That and nothing more than score segment with a discussion of the opening number. Oh my god, the audacity. Yes, my musical minions, our journey once again starts at the very beginning, and in this case, life is, truly is, a very good way to start. I'll go even further, I'll go even further, and say it's the high point of the show. The only real moment when the music of John Kander and the lyrics of Fred Ebb shine equally bright. I love you, Fred, Freddie Flintstone, but on the whole, your lyrics do nothing to improve Joseph Stein's meager characterizations. Kander's in the pocket. He and his orchestrator, Don Walker, make for a sumptuous partnership. This folk tapestry shivers and cackles and roars with life. The tunes do not live in the pit. They tumble and bound across the stage. It's quite hot-blooded, this score. I want to talk about Lorraine Sarabian and her performance as the leader, but first, a comment on the lyrics for this number. On the original Broadway cast album, the leader starts her lecture by singing, quote, Life is what you do while you're waiting to die. Quote, You've heard me say that before. You heard it in the audio. This line was changed for the sake of the 1983 revival. On that recording, the leader sings, quote, Life is what you do till the moment you die. Quote, Talk about a glow down. Fred, Freddie Flintstone, life is what you do while you're waiting to die? Oh, that is a delightfully bitter pill of a line. It was great as is. It has... It has real piss and vinegar energy. Life is what you do till the moment you die. There isn't a tooth to be found in that bunk. These characters cook with spice, Fred. Stop robbing them of their spice. Now, this, this song reminds me of... <laughs> as I was getting ready to really just put this to bed in terms of research and notes, I, I'm on Tumblr and I found a Tumblr post that said, life's the longest thing you'll ever do. You might as well make some funny voices and have some sweets while you're here. 
And that was a post by Tumblr user The Quasar Hero. It made me think of this song, so I threw that in there. There you go. All right, so the leader. You wouldn't know it if you relied on our plot summary, but the leader is a pivotal and demanding role. She's the Grand Marshal of the Parade, much like the MC from Cabaret, which premiered a few years prior to Zorba, or the leading player from Pippin, which premiered a few years after. The leader knows all, sees all, and she uses her knowledge to entice and torment our protagonists. If you try out for a production of Zorba and are not cast as the leader, you might want to form an escape plan. That's my advice, because let me tell you, I myself would not want to play Hortense, and I definitely do not want to play the Widow. P.U. No thanks. Original Broadway cast member Lorraine Sarabian, hello, we're here, we're here! is indisputably fantastic as the leader. She wastes no time in making a strong impression, wielding her voice like a sword. I was startled by her voice. I felt I was listening to a performance that was recorded yesterday, not half a century ago. Lorraine, you're amazing. I listened to the OBC album twice. I think I, because I wanted to hear you wail again, listen to you ride those sustained notes one more time. Sarah Bean was no stranger to Candor and Ebb, by the way. She was a replacement for Frau Wendell, the character of Frau Wendell in the original run of Cabaret. She knew how those boys ticked, and when it was her turn to be a star, I believe she made them proud. Oh, lest I forget, oh, oh, oh! I love how the company agrees to tell a story before immediately descending into chaos over a metaphor. So we're all agreed. We will tell the story of Zorba, a story that is about what? Yes, life, exactly. And what is life? Well, like, what do you mean life is a glass of rum? I will fucking kill you, you illiterate beast. I believe in grabbing at life. Every minute, a new minute. Every second, a new second. Never happened before. I hear a buzuki. You can't imagine how often I've heard a buzuki, but each time is the first time I sniff at a woman. You can't imagine how often I've sniffed at a woman, but each time is the first time. I pound on a table, I leap on a chair, I crawl up a mountain to breathe in the air. By now I've stopped counting how often I've been there, but each time is the first time. Stick my nose in, or stare at, or sleep on a flower. But each time is the first time. I soar like a seagull, I stamp like a bull. I comb out my whiskers so ladies can pull. I chew on the mutton until my belly's full. But each time, a hat, a dumbbag, a person, each time is new. For instance, I came up and I talked to you. Look how interesting I am. That's true. Even if it's not a long talk, even if you don't talk the same language, 
Do you want to hear a story? Well, Then I... I'll tell you. There was a night in Beirut, I never will forget, when I ran across the nicest man I think I ever met. We were sitting, drinking vodka in this waterfront cafe. I could tell he was a Turk, but I liked him anyway. Well, we had so much to drink that we decided we should speak. I'm not so good in Turkish. He was even worse in Greek, but we wanted to communicate. And suddenly, by chance, we hit upon a system and we both began to dance. We couldn't talk the language, so we danced it all instead. And the two of us could understand what one another said. So we had our conversation, which is crazy, I recall. But it seemed it was the first time I had ever talked at all. Herschel Bernardi is doing the Lord's work in the role of Zorba. Bernardi is quick and disarming and clever. Everything Zorba the character is not. How many times am I going to say Zorba in this episode? Zorba. As Zorba would say, every time is the first time. The song is called The First Time. Bernardi is especially good during the rhythmic storytelling portion of this number. It's no wonder he played Tevye in two separate Broadway productions. I'm sure he knocked that shit out of the park. To review, Bernardi good, Zorba bad. Bernardi does everything he can to make us forget Zorba bad, but that is a task worthy of Sisyphus. Because there's no getting around the dialogue I quoted earlier. Quote, I have done bad things, boss. Many bad things. I have pillaged. I have raped. I have wiped out whole families, whole villages. Why? For my country. Quote, I like to believe Bernardi despised that dialogue because how can you possibly make it work without losing your audience? It's not enough that Zorba is selfish. It's not enough that Zorba is a grifter, a womanizer, the sort of man who abandons his family after losing a child. No, he has to be more complicated. We have to push our luck with the audience even more by making Zorba a self-professed murderer and a rapist. What were they thinking? You named your show after this man. You put his image on the poster. You want us to like him on some level, right? Oh, that Zorba. He may have his troubles, but you gotta admit, he's one swell son of a gun. That's the reaction you're aiming for, am I right? Then do yourself a favor and nix the murders and the rapes. I slaughtered entire families with my bare hands, boss. But look, I do a crazy dance. Ah, I'm riffing. Jonathan, are you trying to cancel Zorba? Yes, Zorba is canceled. In the court of public opinion, I am the judge, jury, and executioner. I am the law. Goodbye, Canavaro. Goodbye, Bubulina. Don't forget me. I won't forget you. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Well, goodbye. Wait, Canavar. What, Bobolina? A kiss. Of course. Don't forget me. I won't forget you. How long will you be gone? I'll only be gone three days. That's time enough. For what? To forget me. I won't forget you. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Very sure? Very sure. Well, we'll see. Wait, Cannavaro. What now, Bubolina? Will you bring me a present? Yes, I'll bring you a present. You know, I'd like a ring. I know you would. I'll see. No, you won't. Yes, I will. No, you won't. Yes, I will. Well, goodbye. Adieu, Canavaro. 
Adieu, Bubulina. Don't forget to me. I won't forget you. I promise I won't forget you. I solemnly swear on my mother's grave I never, never, ever will forget you. He'll forget me. No, he won't. Yes, he will. No, he won't. Yes, he will. I know it's true. Why would he forget you? Oh, I don't know. They always do. But until they do, it's very nice. The comedic tone of Goodbye, Calavaro is about as light as you can get before falling out of orbit with the Earth, a song that finds Hortense badgering Zorba into submission that has potential. But Kander and Ebb are seemingly not interested in exploration or escalation. We could heighten the game, but we don't. We could take a sharp return into melancholy and maybe honestly interrogate this woman's loneliness, but we don't. Instead, the number simply hovers in the air and dissipates like a burp in a breeze. Does Hortense know about Zorba and the whole murder-rape thing? I I gotta ask, seems like a crucial part of the Tinder bio. Hello, my name is Zorba, I am a Gemini, I love the Pazuki, and I have raped many people. For my country! For my country! Hashtag never forget! At this point in the episode, I would like to highlight two instrumental pieces, the first being Grandpapa Zorba's Dance. Could we hear the back half of that track? If you please, Patty and Benny. Thank you.
I tell you this, I could hibernate within that series of repeating ethereal chords. The vibrative thrumming! That's gonna get us through the winter, I tell you. The second piece is a little something I like to call the entract. I call it that because that's what it is, the entract. We don't got an overture, but we got an entract, baby! Delicious. I love it. Like a rich sauce on uh, hot food. Is anyone else in the mood for like hot Mediterranean food? Looking for hot Mediterranean singles in your area? I'm starving. I'm on a low salt diet. I'm trying to lose 25 pounds. Help me! Why don't I say it? Let out the feeling 
Excuse me for saying it. But it is wrong for you to keep your feelings locked up inside yourself. Try to share your feelings freely. Share them with me. that we will be able to talk together. Why? I will be late for the church. take a minute or, you know, 20, depending on how this goes, to talk about the widow and her solo number, Why Can't I Speak? I understand what we're going for with this character. Believe me, I am not in the dark. The widow uh, is a tragic figure in more ways than one. She lost her husband. She is a pariah in her own village. No one knows a thing about the widow, but they believe everything they hear. Is she a whore, a witch, all of the above? The widow would like to think she is unaffected by such rumors, but they have affected her. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Nico begs her for intimacy, some expression of true feeling, yet she cannot bring herself to speak. The circumstances of her life have rendered the widow mute, unknowable, nameless, and that is why we only know her as... The Widow. Sure, fine, but here's the thing. The Widow can be a tragic pariah and still have a name. I swear to you, we can do this, it's true. As Dr. John Crucible once asked in his famous play, Dr. Crucible, M.D., where is my name? What have you done with my name? Her name is Samantha. The widow shall henceforth be known as Samantha. It's canon. Congratulations. I have to do everything around here. I have nothing. I want nothing. I am free. I need nothing. I owe nothing. I am free. If my feet say come this way, I probably would. But if they say go that way, that way is just as good. I ask nothing. I judge nothing. 
I am free. There's one Zorba and that Zorba. I must be. Heaven waits for other men, but not for me. I fear nothing. I hope for nothing. I am free. Hey, boss, you want to hear a story? Yes. You do? Then I'll tell you. One morning in Salonika, I never will forget, I was passing by the oldest man I think I ever met. He was kneeling in an orchard when he turned and looked at me and he said, come watch me, Sonny, as I plant this almond tree. I tell you, boss, that fellow, he was over 95 and I think he had a week or maybe two to stay alive, but he had to plant that almond tree. And when I asked him why, he said, I live every minute as if I would never die. Think of that, boss. He lived as if he would never die. I live as if I would die any minute. For that reason, just that reason, I am free. I see somewhere, I go somewhere. I am free. Think of that whenever you remember me. I fear nothing. My boat doesn't leave for an hour. I'll walk a ways with you. No, no, let's do it quick. Here and now, like men cut your smoking, wine, or a love affair. Come, embrace Zorba. spoke at length about Zorba and his horrifying past, so let us instead talk about Zorba as he would prefer us to talk about him. Let's talk about the here-and-now Zorba, the one who stands before Nico and claims to be free. I am free. It's the name of the closing number, don't you know? Are we really supposed to believe Zorba has it all figured out, or is he merely kidding himself? Because I don't hear a note of conflict in this performance, or the music, or the lyrics. The number sounds quite sprightly, actually, as if Zorba has well and truly conned himself into a state of euphoria. But this life he describes is not a life. If you can't admit to being afraid of anything, if you judge no one and hope for nothing, that doesn't mean you are free. It means you're a miserable sack of shit. The idea that this musical might think Zorba is fine, more than fine, at peace even, 
is disturbing. I must be reading the material wrong. I must not, or the tone is just so off and not in keeping with what the writers intended that the whole thing just feels wrong. If Zorba is broken, I do not sense his pain. Uh, characters don't owe you a debt of purity. Your purity politics are showing. Art is allowed to be messy. Messy is one thing. Confused is another. Messy is one thing. Emotionally hollow is another. Messy is one thing. Artistically dim is another. Ah, but what of the Nico Zorba friendship? What of that? A very good question. What of it? Why am I supposed to care when these two characters embrace? What do I gain by trying to find a way into caring about that moment? Zorba is a rapist and a murderer, and Nico is an ineffectual dolt. The volume of the orchestra could swell until my ears bleed, but it ain't gonna trick me into caring. And get this! In the final moments of the 1983 revival album, Zorba says to Nico, quote, I never loved a man as much as you. Quote, big pop from the orchestra, swelling, swelling, oh, the swelling, what? Are you talking about, musical? Did someone switch us over to Casablanca? That line isn't in the original script. Is it from the movie? I never loved a man as much as you. You don't know anything about Nico Zorba. You stole his money. You told him to get some pussy. You did a silly dance together. This is not a legendary friendship. All right, maybe I shouldn't say they didn't go through a lot. They did, but for fuck's sake, these men love each other now? That's all I have to say regarding the score of Zorba. It is now time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Masturbate. Lipshits. Pop. Six. Squish. Ah. Masturbate. Lipshits. And now, the six merry murderesses of the Cook County Jail in their rendition of The Cell Block Tango. Now I'm standing in the kitchen carving up the chicken for dinner, and in storms my husband, Chucky, in a jealous rage. You've been screwing the milkman, he said, and he kept saying, you've been screwing the milkman. Then he ran into my knife, oh, he ran into my knife ten times. Hmm. Oh, hello, Chucky, you made this for me? Wow, look at that. It's a picture of the milkman being murdered by a little doll. I think I know who that little doll is, Chucky. Yes, this is very, very good, Chucky. I love you too, baby. Final thoughts regarding Zorba Cantor. 
receives a gold star while Ebb and Stein sit in the corner. To the corner, boys! Now, in 1969, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was former subject 1776, and the additional nominees from that season were Hair and Promises, Promises. Which of these musicals truly deserved to walk home when the Best Musical Medallion? Was it 1776? Does 1776 deserve to keep the medallion for Best Musical? No! I'm not giving it to Zorba. I'm not giving it to Hare. I am. I am gonna give it to Promises, Promises. I promise, promise that I give it to you. Promises, promises. We only have one show remaining in this set of nominees. We've talked about all of the shows except for Promises, Promises. We'll do that at some point. I don't know when, but we will. I promise, promise you. Shrek is begging for it, by the way. One show left. He's on deck for all so many of these nominee sets. He's really itching for it. If I know him, that son of a gun is itching for it. Okay, let's rank Zorba against all of the other shows we've talked about here on the podcast. As always, if you want to check out this this ranking of ours, you're going to have to access our Google Sheet, the second tab of our Google Sheet. How, 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 how do I find that, Jonathan? Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. Our pinned post is our link tree. Every link under the sun that relates to the musical man is in that link tree, including a link to our Google Sheet. And again, the second tab is where you want to go for that ranking. Zorba is going to sit at number 74 between Les Miserables at number 73, and Ragtime at number 75. Higher than you might think, right? Well, I, I don't know. I gotta hand it to that music by Kander. Some of the performances are really good, okay? All right, uh, leave me alone. I have one piece, just one piece of show-related ephemera for you uh, this week. This is a clip from Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Season 4, Episode 162. This originally aired on August 22nd, 1997. In this episode of The Late Night Show, Conan conducts a, uh, a fairly stiff interview with Anthony Quinn, Zorba himself, Hollywood Zorba. Among other topics, they touch on Quinn's recent and messy divorce. Let's listen to that clip now. I don't think many people know this. You are not Greek. You, are you aware of this? No, I'm Irish. <laughs> I'll have you know, we looked into it. You are not Greek. No, we have I, policemen here to take you away. Yes, no, it's, uh, it, this is amazing. You are, uh, you're, are, are you not, you're half Mexican, half? Irish. Half Irish? Yes. Where do you think the Quinn comes from? I'm not the brightest guy in the oh, world. I, I think you should know that. Uh, no, but I mean, I always assumed, do, do because every time I go into a Greek coffee shop, yes. there are two pictures hanging on the wall. Yes. Yours? And Telly Savalas. That's Those right. are the two. <laughs> do they know? Do they know when you go in there that you're not? That you're not. People must assume that you're Greek. Yes, I guess they do. But I mean, uh, Telly Savalas, he was Greek, wasn't he? No. No, he wasn't. Portuguese. No. It's fascinating. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this boggles my mind. I'm 34 years old. Yes, I'm 82. You're 82. Yes. So I'm. I and uh, I have no children. I'm not married. You I have, have 13 children. 13 kids. Yes. yes. That's amazing. Yes. Can you name them all? Yes. You don't want me to Quickly. do Quickly. <laughs> no. No, because I know I'm one of six, yes, and my yes. parents can't get it right. Really? They're not sure. Yeah. Wow. And so that's pretty impressive that you would know all 13. Yes. Uh, the youngest, you're, I guess your oldest son is 55 years old. Your youngest son is one year old. 
One, ever, one year and one month. Do you yes. ever take the 55-year-old and the one-year-old out for an ice cream sundae, you know, together? <laughs> now, you two behave. <laughs> no more squabbling. Yeah, that's right. Is there one thing, is there some advice that you would give to people that... No, to be loving and to uh, look for the right woman, that's a tough thing. I must say, finding the right, the right woman is very tough. And once you find her, stick to it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we should talk, because that brings up a point. You just, yes, yes. You just went through, and this has been in all the papers this week. Uh, very, this is a messy divorce. This divorce. Well, no, it wasn't messy. I mean, it was just a regular divorce. What's, what's oh, a wrong? happy divorce. A happy okay. divorce. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm happy. I'm I mean, crazy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was a happy, loving divorce. No, yes, but I mean, yes. uh, uh, the papers are saying that she got most of your money. Is that fair to say? No, she got about 99%. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> she got, they're saying that she got pretty much everything, yeah, right? Practically everything. Do you know that yes. you get $600 from NBC for this appearance? No, really? Yeah. Oh, I can eat tonight. No, we oh, don't. So there you go. I told you it was it was a bit of a stiff interview. A few comments from the YouTube upload of this interview. Uh, here's one quote: "A man that lived life like a Greek from his heart." Quote. Here's another comment. Quote. O'Brien never shuts up. I love Quinn. Quote. Here's another comment. Quote. Was Quinn ever sober a day in his life? The man loved his booze, but he was a tremendous actor. Quote. Here's another comment. Quote. Can't bear Conan, even for Anthony Quinn. Quote. Here's another comment. Quote. Thirteen kids and one of them is my grandma. Quote. There's a response to that comment. Thirteen kids and one of them is my grandma. And the response is, really? <laughs> I don't know if that's a genuine curiosity being expressed or maybe a certain amount of skepticism as in, really? I don't know. Here's another comment. One last comment for you. Quote, Quinn should have become Zimbano from Lestrada for just one minute and knocked Conan's block off. What an annoying and shameless attention hound. Quote, no one likes Conan in these comments. Everyone keeps saying, <laughs> everyone keeps saying, when is he going to shut up? Why is he talking so much? Why won't he let Anthony Quinn fucking say anything? And I got to say, I don't disagree with him. Sorry, Conan. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Roger Sandhammerstein show, Jesus Christ, this is college? Everyone ready? Then away we go! The next subject of the main feed is the 1963 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran for 964 performances. That episode will drop Wednesday, September 27th, and the name of the show is A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Oh, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. That's not a melody from the show. Steven, remember when I made fun of your khakis? I, 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 for, I, please, uh, forgive me. Merispiace, uh, forgive me, please. Steven, oh, we're going to talk about one of your shows oh, when we get together on September 27th. Please, oh, please don't be mad at me. Don't haunt me. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. We do not keep any of that money. It all goes to Planned Parenthood, okay? 
You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. One dollar a month will get you the following. You'll get Monday early access to all of these main feed episodes. You'll get a verbal shout out each and every week. Let's do that now. Thank you so much for donating at least $1 a month. Caroline, Helena, Greg, Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher Neal, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Mark S., Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You also get 19 bonus episodes covering the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, a review of the trailer for Cats, The Little Mermaid Live, a full review of the film Cats, Emma at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus. Documentary Now, Original Cast Album, Co-op, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, Harlow the Alligator Boy, Oh, a review of the trailer for West Side Story, Ah, Steven Spielberg, Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's Back, Diana, Annie Live, The Notebook at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and Beauty and the Beast, a 30th celebration. You also get season one, that's 12 episodes of Radio Boy, a series for which I check in with myself via the non-musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself, and you get all 16 episodes in the complete M3, the Movie Musical Man series. Uh, What's that all about? Well, in every episode of M3, we watch and discuss a trilogy of movie musicals that uh, those films are tied by common themes, is is what they are. Uh, Let's move on to the $3 a month tier. What do you get here? Well, you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing, all ten episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, a special one-off all about Julie and the Phantoms, and our brand new series. It's still going, baby! Going strong! It's TV VIP. That is a show dedicated to musical TV series. What have we already talked about? We've already talked about Schmigadoon, Central Park, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Up Here, Cop Rock, Little Voice, Rags to Riches, Gallivant, Hull High, Shangri-La Plaza, and coming September 20th, a brand new episode of TV VIP dedicated to Gem and the Holograms. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. $5 a month will get you everything I've already described. Plus, you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast, so long as that show was nominated for Best Musical. You also get Seasons 1 and 2, that's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by The Phantom of the Opera, all 14 episodes in our Broadway in Chicago review series, and Volumes 1 through 5 of Shout About It. Each volume of Shout About It is a collection of 5, 6, 7, 8 coffee ads and musical shout-outs from the first 125 episodes of the show, don't you know? That's what they cover, at least. Uh, grammar. Finally, we have our $10 a month tier. In this tier, you get everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed. Season 1, that's 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a show dedicated to Broadway musicals that were not nominated for Best Musical. And finally, you get all 12 episodes in our Turn It Off series, which is dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, do me a favor, write a five-star review if you please. You could stream the show via 
Spotify, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com, and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny all the way out there in the stage left studio in Chicago. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous intro and outro music. Oh, ha! You know what that sound means, yes? Just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Wiedersehen, and good night. He and his orchestrator, Don Walker, make... Ooh! I never loved a man as much as you.